And so if we look, Moses had three, part of his, three parts in his life. The first 40 years was living life, living large in Egypt. The second 40 of his years, you know, he's hiding. And then the third 40, from 80 to 120, that's when he went back to Egypt and did the thing that we're going to talk about here in a short little bit. And so we're in that second part of his life. He's in his 40, 50, and, um, and he's a shepherd. A common, ordinary shepherd. There's no honor in a shepherd. There's nothing special about being a shepherd. It's the bottom of the totem pole as far as society is concerned. Just an ordinary shepherd. He went from the palace, from the highest of highs, to the lowest of lows. And what's even worse for Moses is that he was a shepherd for someone else's sheep. He didn't have his own sheep. He was, he was just a hired person watching over his father-in-law's sheep. Now, his father-in-law, Jethro, he's not from the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? But this is, uh, you know, it's not that old. Uh, you know, this is older than that story. But his father-in-law was a somebody. His father-in-law was a priest that commanded honor and respect. Jethro was a somebody. Moses was a nobody. Laboring away, hiding, watching over someone else's sheep. And that's just how you feel sometimes, isn't it? You're just laboring away. Nobody's watching. No one's paying attention. Nobody noticed your contribution. Nobody noticed how hard you work. Nobody cares what's going on in your life. And you believe that in this life there are somebody and there are nobody, and you are one of them. You're nobody. Moses would totally understand that. But look where Moses is. In that verse 1, the Bible said that he led the sheep to Mount Sinai, where the Bible calls the mountain the mountain of God. And if you know your Old Testament, you know that God did some amazing things at Mount Sinai. And this would be the site of some of the most amazing works of God. But at this point, none of that happens yet. This is the first time Mount Sinai is really introduced in the Bible. And we see that it's called the mountain of God, not because of what God had done, but because of what God was going to do in this place. And one of those things was this incredible encounter between Moses and God in our story. Let's look at verse number two. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. So a bush is burning, but it's not burning. It's on fire, but it's not burning. And Moses, he kind of stares in amazement. He's like, what is going on? You would too. That's pretty cool to see. If you ever see a fire burning something, but it's not burning it, you would stop to and look and be in amaze. And though the bush was engulfed in flame, it didn't burn up. And Moses said to himself, this is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? I got to go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. God said, he warned him, do not come any closer. Take off your sandal, for you're standing 
on holy ground. I am the Lord. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses was a shepherd watching someone else's sheep. Ordinary, insignificant, but this really was the mountain of God. And, and Moses didn't expect God to show up. He didn't, you know, he didn't wake up that morning thinking, hey, you know, I'm going to see God. He didn't expect God to show up, but God exceeded his expectations and showed up anyway. By the way, some of you come to church every single week. This modern-day mountain of God. You come to church every week, but you never come expecting God to show up. You never expect God to show up. You don't ever expect the miraculous to happen. You don't ever expect anything amazing to happen. You come to the mountain of God, but you don't expect to encounter God. But God is not governed by people's limited perspective or smart expectation. God shows up in his time and in his ways every time. And when God shows up, everything changes. And that's what happened to Moses. Everything changes for him. Look at verse number 7. And the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. The land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Real quick, this is the, the nation of Israel had been a nation for 400 years but they've never had their own land. Isn't that crazy? They have been nomads of a nation that have grown, started with a little family, and that family grew and got bigger, and now there's an estimate of a million people in this nation that don't even have their own land. They're slaves in Egypt. Now it's 400 years, and God finally says, I've heard your cry. I've heard, and I've got something great for them. I've got something for them. God shows up and tells Moses, I've seen how my people have suffered. I've seen how brutal the Egyptians have been, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm finally going to give them their own land. They're going to actually be a nation of their own land. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be an incredible land, a land of amazing blessing. It's going to be awesome. And I'm sure Moses is like, man, God, that is way to go, God. Man, I'm loving this. I'm sure God, you know, Moses is getting pumped up. He said, man, I can't believe it's about time, you know. It's about time we have our own land. Man, we're finally doing something about it. He's excited. Man, God's got this big plan, and and Moses is like, whoo, yeah, awesome. But look at the next verse. God says, 
Now go. For I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And Moses like, say what? I, I was tracking, I was tracking you, God. I was, I was with you, God, all, all, up, until just now. You want me to do what? You, you, you want me, a, 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 a lowly shepherd? I don't even have my own sheep. I'm, I'm a nobody. You want me to do what now? Moses was blown away by the calling of God on his life. And let me say this. If you could see the calling of God in your life, you will be blown away too. But so often we fail to see what God wants to do in our lives because we don't step out to the calling that he has for you. And you live in this life, and you say, this is me. I am a nobody. I'm inadequate. I'm insecure. And God is calling you and say, hey, if you would just step out of it, if you would step out of that line, man, you would be blown away how I would take care of you, how I would be with you, I would show every step of the way, and the plans that I have for you is amazing. But you've got to step into it. You have to step into it. And when you see that, you see what God wants to do. And oftentimes, we miss it. We miss what God wants to show us. Because we don't answer the call. And Moses, he's blown away here, and now he's got a crossroad in his life. He's like, do I step into God's call and see the incredible things that he wants to do? Or do I step back and say, God, I'm going to just stay here in the middle of nowhere on the back side of the mountain and just live here? Because I'm a nobody. And that's exactly what we see here, what's going on. We look at the next verse. God told Moses, hey, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And here's how Moses responded in verse 11. <laughs> this is what we do. We do this. We can identify. We can identify. This is why I love this story. This is why this was my first sermon. Moses, the Bible says, protested. <laughs> we protest God. That's what, Moses, that's what Moses did. He protested to God. You know, he, got, he pulled out the picket, fan, the picket line. He, got, he stepped in with his sign and he said, no, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't, I can't do what you want me to do. I can't live there. I'm not good enough. He said, and, and here's what he said. This is the key. I want you, I want you to see this. Who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, he said, I will be with you. 
Moses asked God, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to lead your people out of Egypt? I'm a nobody, and me leading this, this mission is over before it even gets started. Who am I? And if you're taking notes, here's what I hope you understand. We need to stop asking the wrong question. We need to start asking the right question. You know, many times I feel incredibly inadequate as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a man of God. And many times I've asked the same question that Moses did. God, who am I? Who am I to preach the word to God's people? Who am I to be a father of two little children? Who am I to love and lead and serve a woman as awesome as my wife is? You know, who am I to be an example for Christ in this community? God, who am I? And here's what I'm learning. The question, who am I, is the wrong question. The right question is, God, who are you? That's the question. It's not, who am I? It's the right question is, God, who are you? Who are you? And some of you this morning, you're facing incredible, incredible challenges. You're facing challenges with your health. You're facing challenges with your spouse. You're facing challenges with your job, your family, your emotions, your relationships, your kids, your future. You are facing some incredible, incredible challenges, and you feel totally inadequate to face them. And you look at everything in front of you, and you're wondering, who am I? Wrong question. Today, I pray that you'll start asking the right question. It's not, who am I? It's God, who are you? And God gave us the same answer that he gave Moses. And Moses started challenge, and he said, who am I to do this? And God's response was simply, I am with you. Jehovah God, I am with you. And that's all you need. I hope you hear this and hear this well. God is with you, and that is sufficient. That is sufficient. Your insecurity, your insecurity does not trump God's sufficiency. Man, that should be a note on your hand now because that's good. Your insecurity should not trump the sufficiency of God. But Moses, he still doesn't buy this, okay? I mean, what's there early in the story? This conversation at the burning bush goes two chapters long because Moses, he protested, he protested, he protested four times in these two chapters. Four times, he throws out excuses to God. He said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I, I can't do what you want me to do. Who am I? He kept not, he, he 
never look at God for his sufficiency. He kept looking at his insecurity. But let's fast forward to the final excuse that Moses made. Verse number 10, in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 10. So we go to the next, next chapter. But Moses pleaded with God. Now, he was protesting at first. Now he's begging, okay? Uh, he went from protesting to now he's on his knees, pleading, begging God. He said, and he said, oh, Lord, here's the fourth excuse. And this is where it really hits home for me. He said, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. So Moses is now focusing on his insecurity, right? He's looking at his, at his uh, insecurity, and a lot of people believe that Moses had a speech impediment. You know, we're not sure. Maybe he struggled, but uh, maybe he stuttered. Um, maybe, maybe he had a British accent like me. I'm not sure what he had, okay? Uh, but he, 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 you know, he's just kind of going with this, with this excuse. And this is where I lived for a long time. A long time, I said, God, <laughs> You know, you've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong person. There are other guys that can do this. You know, I, I, just let me do other stuff. I can do, you know, I can work behind the scene. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't speak. You know, I just can't do it. People will laugh at me. People will look down on me. People will say I can't do this. And, and it, it's true, I shouldn't do this. And I, and I thought that. Moses struggled with it too. But well, we do know for sure that Moses kept looking at his insecurity instead of God's sufficiency. Verse number 11, look how God responded. He said, who makes the person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear, hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Moses, is it not I? the Lord. Verse number 12. Now go. I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. God's sufficiency would trump Moses' insecurity. He just simply needed to trust God that God would be with him just like he promised. Now for some of you this morning, you need to stop selling yourself short, and you need to stop selling God short. Stop putting God in a box. See, God uses stuttering, murdering shepherd to set a whole nation free. Imagine what he could do with you if he could use a guy like Moses he definitely can use you. So the, the wrong question is, who am I? What can I do? It's the wrong question. Now what about all my limitations and mistakes and shortcomings? Uh-uh-uh. Wrong question. The right question? God, who are you? God, let me see you who you are. Show me how your sufficiency trumps by insecurity. 
to take a note, when we give God our insufficiencies, He begins to show us His glory. When we begin to give God our insufficiencies, when we give God the lie that I'm a nobody, that's when God shows up and shows up his glory. You see, Moses, he gets it. He gets it. It took him a while, but he eventually gets the lesson. And later on in the book of Exodus, we find Moses having another conversation with God. And in some ways, Moses is still sounding like his old self, like he's telling God, he said, God, you told me to lead all these people, and I, I, I still don't feel like I can do this. I still feel like a failure. I still feel like a nobody. I'm still not sure about all of this. And God had to once again assure him, assure Moses, that he is with him. And this is what we see. And this, we see a turning point here, right here in Moses' life. We see an aha moment, a point where we see that Moses finally gets it. You know, Moses, he lays out his concerns. He lays out his anxiety. He lays out his worries to God. His insecurity, the thought that, hey, God, I'm still nobody. And God says, I'm still with you. And look at Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 18. Moses gets it. He said, Moses responded, then God, show me your glorious presence. God, show me your glory. He said, God, I'm done looking at me. God, I'm done looking at my own insecurity. I'm done dwelling on my shortcomings, on my failures, on my flaws, and I want to see you. I, I want to know you, that you are with me, that you are my everything, that you are sufficient for everything I need. And I'm still struggling, but I'm going to stop worrying about it, and I'm going to trust you to show up your glory and to come through in a powerful way. Moses said, I want to know you. And that's the right question. And the question is, do you know who God is? Do you know him enough to trust him? Do you believe in his sufficiencies instead of your own insecurity? Do you know him? I told you earlier that I struggle deeply with insecurity. And it's true, I still wrestle it. Not all the time, but from time to time, I struggle with it. I've come a long way, and I still have a long way to go. I'm learning every day that if God called me into it, if God has called me into it, then he will lead me through it. I'm learning that. If God has called me to it, he will lead me through it. And that's the truth we need to own for the rest of our lives. If you're taking note, this is the last thought. If God led you to it, God will lead you through it. You'll never fail. They'll never fail. He's just waiting for you to be available. You know, that's, that's the beautiful thing about God. God's not interested so much about your ability. You hear that? He's not so interested in your ability. He's more interested in your availability. He just wants you to be available. And to step out of the lies and to be the person that God wants you to be. Start living the me that God wants you to be. And that's when you 
stop believing what the devil's been trying to tell you in your ears, in your heart, in your soul. And he said, hey, stop believing that. You are not a nobody. You are somebody, not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done. You see, we have a God named Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, what, what's going on in this room. I don't want to pretend to know that all of your challenges are, or what they are. So many challenges are in this room. As I look and I see eyes all over, there's so many difficulties, situations that we're facing. And I see it in your eyes. Some I know, some I don't. But God knows. And I know who your God is. You may feel totally inadequate. You may feel like you're nobody. But you have a God named Jesus Christ who took all of your insecurity, all of your shortcomings, all your flaws, all your failures, all your sins. He took it all on his own shoulders. Jesus carried it on the cross. The cross was nailed to the cross. And the cross is the forever payment the forever eternal payment for your sins. The cross is the permanent sign to us that God, that Jesus would never leave us, would never forsake us, and that he's all that we need. Your insecurity will never ever surpass his sufficiency. You can't trump God with your shortcomings. He is enough. And he proved it on the cross. Quit putting God in the box. Quit putting limitations on God. Start asking him, God, who are you? Stop focusing on who you are. Start focusing on him. And when you do, he will show up and show up his glory in your life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for we thank you for your word. The word of truth. Because we're faced with lies all the time. We hear from people that we work with, people that we do life with. We hear it from the devil himself. That we're a loser. That we're a nobody. That we don't worth, that we're not worth much of anything. But God, you love us so much. You love us so much that you send your son Jesus to die on the cross to prove that love to us. And because of the cross, we can find our sufficiency in you. You are enough. You're all that we need. God, I pray that we start living out from the lies. We start believing in the lies. And we start living in the truth. God, we want to be the person that you want us to be. God, there may be a calling in some of our lives that you've been calling us to do something, but we have been afraid to step out. Perhaps we're listening to the lies. Perhaps we just don't have enough faith. God, I pray, God, I pray that today, this week, 
that there are decisions being made in our personal lives that we would step out. We would step out so that we can see your glory. God, we thank you for the cross. Perhaps there's someone here today that don't have a relationship with you. They've been looking for answers all over. God, I pray that today they find their answer in you because you are the answer that we need. And I pray that we stop dwelling on our past, our failures, and we give them all to you. God, I pray that we will let go of the past and give them to you. Because you will forgive us of all of our sins if we will give our life to you. And so, God, I pray here in the next few minutes that you will work in our hearts. Pray for those that need to take a next step in Christ. We pray for those that are about to, take, to get baptized here in a few minutes. That they take a next step after their faith in Christ and make a public announcement that they are a follower of Christ. They're not ashamed of being a follower of Christ and that they're that they surrender, they give their life, their shortcomings, their failures and all, and they say, God, here's my insecurity, and I give it to you. And here's a public proclamation today. We thank you for those who are getting baptized. Perhaps, God, there may be someone here that's been on the fence and want to get baptized today. God, I pray that today they just step out. They just do it. Take a step of faith and get baptized and make a public announcement of who you are in their life that you are God, that we stop asking the question, who am I? We start asking the question, God, who are you? God, I pray we open our eyes to what you can do through us and in us. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand, let's all worship.